Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. Let's try this again. Yes. For, for those who are not the three of us, uh, we are recording on a Thursday evening. We attempted to record on a Tuesday evening, and for the first time ever, Mike and I thought the other one was researching a song. Uh, so we had yeah. nothing to talk about. So here we are. I, I was just saying, this is episode 24, and we have not, we've never logged on and not kept the episode. That was the first time. Part of history. Um, Jay is a part of history. And yes, we have we have uh, Jay Zawoski here. Uh, we are happy to have him here. He's been on my list of folks that we want to have on the show. Uh, Jay is a radio producer, podcaster, author. Huge music fan. Uh, he runs the CHGO Blackhawks podcast and also the I'm Fat podcast. <laughs> uh, both great shows that you should check out. It's because I'm fat. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would be a tough show to to make if you didn't fit the demographic. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I was fat or I'm not fat. Is not as interesting. <laughs> So I, I got to maintain it. It's part of the part yeah. Of the once gig. you lock yourself in, you know, you look you look well. You look you look <laughs> yeah. good. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Jay, we're so stoked to have you here. Um, I am I'm honestly pretty psyched to have someone on who doesn't work in music. Uh, we've had a we've had a couple comedians, uh, but generally our our guests have all been musicians, music writers, like those kinds of folks. So. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm honored to be part of it, and I'm slightly intimidated because I don't work in music, so I feel like, what if I don't know this song very well? Oh, don't worry about or... that. Don't worry about <laughs> that. Okay. We've had it before. I, uh, uh, <laughs> Mike introduced you as a, a big music fan, so I'm uh, right. I'm slightly afraid that I'm going to give you a very uh, elementary song here. Um, given the short turnaround, you know, the fact that we... Uh, <laughs> we're supposed to do this 24 hours ago i i was racking my brain mm-hmm. i don't know if you're a country fan but uh i i i am okay. uh within limits if you have two first names i'm out <laughs> we're, we're good there we're good there um <laughs> i guess willie nelson would be the uh would be the exception to that one we are not yeah, when people are named nelson i feel like that's like a last name first name <laughs> we are not yeah, talking about a willie yeah. nelson song i don't think we ever will those are All right. hits, hits in their own We know right. why those are hits. One of the greatest songwriters of all but time. But it has been yeah. a while since we have covered a, a country music song. It's been over a year. Only covered We've one. only covered one. We've only covered uh, Achy Breaky Heart. And it, so yeah, we are doing a country song tonight. Um, Sweet. It is, uh, you know, it, it's a gem in a lot of ways. I think it is a, uh, it ticks all the boxes for what we normally talk about. It's a hit. That's okay. the first box that needs to be checked. I think it's a uh, a karaoke favorite for a lot of people. Ooh. Uh, and it's fucking absurd, which is the, really the main tick here. So <laughs> tonight, 
we're talking about. We got it going on like Donkey Kong tonight. We had to talk about wow. Honky Tonk for Donkey Donk at some point. I was hoping this is what it was, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> is this Trace Atkins? It is. Yeah. It is. This is uh, Trace Atkins. I can't remember is- how to do CPR, but I know that this song is by <laughs> Trace Atkins. Great. It is his, uh, his hit from 2005. It sounds like 2005. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right about the it's end actually- of when country music stopped being country. Exactly. This is kind of the beginning, I think, of a bro yeah. hip hop country. I don't yeah, think yep. there were any like hip hop influenced appropriation country songs before this. Well, yeah, appropriation. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of the beginning of it. And not to jump too Fuck far this ahead, guy. But I, I, Good night, everybody. That's <laughs> the episode. <laughs> I found an article from countrythangdaily.com. Reputable. Which opened the article saying, whenever you ask any country fan to name their favorite country songs, chances are they'll eventually end up naming Trace Atkins' Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. Which, no. I, th- there are dozens of country songs that I would have. <laughs> hundreds. It would take a, it would hundreds. Take a couple hundred before I yeah. got to Honky hundreds. Tonk Badonkadonk. But. but here we are. Yeah, it is indeed a song. So it it exists. It's got words and music and the whole thing. <laughs> it does. Uh, much like music. the last song that I researched, the story behind this song is incredibly simple. Uh, if you are an astute enough listener, uh, I think you can pick up from the lyrics that this song is about uh, a country-loving woman with a large uh, back end. Okay. Uh, that's really all there is, is to it. Is that what it's about? That's really all there is to it. <laughs> However. Oh, yeah. I thought it was about a boat. Well, however... uh, That's the French Revolution. (laughs) So let's go back in time. Hmm. Trace Atkins was born January 13th, 1962 in uh, Sarepta, Louisiana. Sarepta was a Phoenician city on the Mediterranean coast. And seeing as Sarepta, Louisiana sits on the border of Arkansas and nowhere near a coast, I imagine that that this city and its namesake are, are very different. In the 2020 census it had a population of 717 residents and if you're wondering there is a sign that says welcome to sarepta home of trace atkins because that is a, a country music must i feel like if you if you are a country artist from a small town oh it yeah it's a, a rite of passage that you have yeah. uh, a welcome home of sign in your hometown well i felt bad for uh for billy ray cyrus because his town it's like him Keith Whitley and somebody that's right. else that's famous. So they're all on the sign. And it's a small town. He got screwed. Is it like ranked? <laughs> Is it like interchangeable based on Keith Whitley, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus? <laughs> I would put I would put Billy Ray up, I think. But Trace Atkins, he's got no competition. He's the only person of note ever from this town. Uh, and not to completely dog on this town. Uh, but you know when you Google map a, a town or a city like a few notable locations pop up. Yeah. Uh, so when you search uh, throughout the, the, the pins that pop up are the town hall, the high school, mm-hmm. a dollar general, mm-hmm. a storage unit, an RV park, and a place called mud hole swag. 
Okay. Which may or may not be a custom t-shirt company that enjoys off-roading. Uh, I, w- I will send you their website right now. I just want you to check it out. That sounds All like right. a place where Honky Tonk Badonkadonk could have been penned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check out mudholeswag.com. <laughs> they say that the online store is oh. launching soon. I feel like this has been up since like 2014. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm the first I to know when we go live. I mean, I feel like I should sign up for this. I think mm. you should, Jay. Please do. I'll put this on my Mazda. <laughs> the, the, the very intimidating uh, Punisher star sticker pentagram kind of thing. What's up with, yeah, that's a little off-putting. What's up with um, this town and euphemisms for butts? That's a good point. Wait, M- is Mudhole is, mud is, hole is your, uh, I mean, well, is yeah, but is there, there more than just that? I, I didn't get the I name. I think there's right. also a hole, a hole of mud. Oh, fair. Yes, Badonkadonk. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't they are a little butt obsessed. They're, I think they are. Okay. I got Home of Trey Atkins, butt obsessed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even put that together. Uh, so Trey Atkins grew up in this small town. His dad bought him a guitar at age, eight, or age 10. His uncle. Thank God for that, man. His uncle was Christian musician uh, James W. Carraway. It's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. Got a great baritone voice. Amazing. This I would listen to. This is like before the Oak Ridge Boys. Yeah, very much so. I like it says on the album cover, baritone. <laughs> Just so yeah. you know what you're getting into. This ain't no soprano shit, right? <laughs> I'm James Carraway, baritone. <laughs> and don't you forget it. You better not be a fucking tenor. I'm not listening to this. <laughs> the, the music runs in the blood of the family. Trace plays football. Throughout high school, he's got the look. Uh, he would go he on to play. Broad he does shoulders. actually, and I, I was I was going to mention that I I ran into Trace Atkins once uh, backstage at a Tim McGraw concert and got knocked over. Him, uh, he is fucking huge. He is six six and just oh, wow. built like a fucking mountain. He was wearing like a long trench coat and a black cowboy hat. It was like exactly what you. Oh, wanted. I've seen him in the trench coat before. Yeah, oh yeah, it's his yeah. look. Uh, right. So he, he played. He's like the Neo of country music. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he does have resting badass face. I'll give him <laughs> that. Like he just looks like he wants to kick your ass all the time. And we will get to that. We will get to. That. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yes. Good. So he did play football throughout high school. He went on to play at Louisiana Tech University. However, he was sidelined by a knee injury. I think before his first game. So oh. he, um, you know, he quickly dropped out of college. And he bounced around some odd jobs, including working on an oil rig, being a pharmacy technician, before moving on to pursue music full-time. Those are some sophisticated jobs. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, but afterwards, he would move to Arcla Tex, which I guess is like Texarkana, but adding in Louisiana. It seems to be the, the larger region of Texarkana, mm. Texarkana being a city in itself, whereas Right. Arklet, Texas, like the the overall area. Okay. Uh, it Sounds also. Fun. Well, I read that it also includes the very tip of Oklahoma, but I guess like that was too long of a name. Uh, but I, I I mentioned that because I have two fun facts here. Uh, one, uh, when I Google Map this area, I saw a town in Oklahoma named Tom, Oklahoma, and I thought 
I bet the city is named after one dude named Tom, and he's like the only resident. And turns out, not far off. Uh, however, they also have a Baptist church shaped like a teepee, because <laughs> of course they do. Sure. Uh, another fun fact, <laughs> that part of Oklahoma is actually Choctaw country, ah. uh, which, shout out to the aforementioned Tim McGraw, uh, is very prominent in his Indian Outlaw song, which, ah, yes. if it were to come uh, out today, would be greatly problematic. I, uh, uh, I think it's... I think it was problematic when it came out. I just think fewer people cared. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was a tough one. That was a tough look. And as you were describing uh, the song coming in, we didn't know what it was going to be. There were a few things flying through my head. One was Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson, Ooh, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one was uh, Indian Another Outlaw by Tim McGraw. But we'll probably cover probably, both at some point. Yeah, it's. I don't know is, if I want to cover Indian Outlaw. I'm probably going to start doing the research and go. I don't think I should be on the internet talking. All about you this need song. to do is hear the first 15 seconds, and you know what you're getting into. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is problematic. Let's, let's turn this off. Chattahoochee, hell yeah, great song. Well, I legitimately love that song. I my wife too. hates it, and it's one <laughs> of the two songs in the world when I want to irritate my wife. I put on uh, the <laughs> the house speaker. It's Chattahoochee, and it's Ace of Spades by Motorhead. What? Oh, she hates she hates Ace of Spades. She Two doesn't mind songs. Killed by Death, <laughs> which is my other Motorhead favorite. But she hates Ace of Spades. I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. it, it Tim, does Tim McGraw have any native blood in him? Mm, native Philadelphian, but I don't okay, think. yeah, like he's <laughs> like we can't like find a loophole where he might be yeah. able to if you squint real hard perform that song. I don't think so. Yeah, at the time, I don't think he gave a fuck. Uh, oh yeah, no. There's no reason to. I think he squinted real fun. hard at the lyrics and was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Yeah, let's see. Hmm. Yeah, nothing <laughs> offensive here. Let's go. As, as an aside, when I worked with him, we uh, recorded a song called uh, "Southern Voice," and uh, fine with whatever tune. But Tim, if you know anything about him, is a massive LSU fan. Mm-hmm. Massive LSU mm-hmm. fan. So the song. Uh, this is like early on when I was working with him. The song Southern Voice talks about, uh, I forget the exact lyric, but it essentially references Alabama football. It says like written on the Crimson Tide or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in the video, when we were recording the video, he had, he does like an X thing when he says it. And all <laughs> I could think about was like, dude, you probably could have changed the lyric. Like you probably could have had a conversation with the songwriter. We probably could have worked this out. But I think Tim was just like, cool song. I'm going to read the cue cards. I'm going to do it. Like, yeah, maybe there's more uh, Tide fans than uh, Tigers fans. In yeah, his I don't mind, think he's so. thinking this through, you know? It's <laughs> like uh, Michael Jordan said, what did Jordan say? Republicans buy shoes too? Was that the was that the, the famous quote from Michael <laughs> yeah, Jordan? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so maybe it's Tim McGraw like, hey, Bama fans buy records too. Yes. Trace would move to Nashville in the early 1990s, shortly after his stint in Arklet, Oklahoma, and he would meet Scott Hendricks of Capital Nashville, who signed him, quote unquote, on the spot one night while Atkins was playing at Tilly and Lucy's Bar in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. His debut album, Dreaming Out Loud, would produce several hits, including his first big song, This Ain't No Thinking Thing, which I was not familiar with. I will send it to you guys so you can take a listen as well. Sounds brilliant. You know, it's not good in my opinion, but... People seem to like it. I guess of a time, like mid '90s, this was like. I've been thinking about our love situation. A good song, I don't know. 
All this attraction in the just, He just looks angry all the time. Oh, that ponytail is wicked. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's a, he has got the 90s country vibe down. I mean... Yeah, this isn't bad. Honestly, he's got a pretty good voice. He's got a great voice. I will give him that. He's got a nice vibrato. He's definitely a baritone, just like his uncle, grandpa. Oh, I've heard this song. Have you? I've heard this. Yeah, once it got to the chorus, I've heard it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's not fine. bad. It's good. I yeah. didn't hate it. <laughs> I, I would describe this song as tolerable. Yeah, it is. It is. If you were listening to uh, in Chicago, it's US ninety nine in the uh, early to mid nineties. That song came on. Absolutely, it fits perfectly. <laughs> um, maybe not a favorite, but certainly not changing the station. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot better than most male country songs that are on the radio these days. Yeah, now, but certainly you have some good. Yeah, you have some good stuff. Um, sure, of course. I do not know what the radio codes would be for country stations in Canada, but on this album, there was also a number one in Canada, which I will share with you guys. And hmm. this song is called I Left Something On At Home, which is an amazing name for a song. And while you might think it's about someone leaving their oven or their hair straightener on, Actually, about how his wife is at home, very corny. Oh, it's kind of a bang. Well, the guitar tone is sick. This is the fun. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's kind of a jail. <laughs> yeah, he. You know what? He's. He, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna come out and say it. He's pretty damn good by '90s country <laughs> yeah, this standards. This song is pretty good. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard. Um, one of my favorite current artists, Joshua Headley's latest album. Oh, it's great. Which is an absolute tribute to this yeah, kind yes. of country music. It's funny because his last record was like a Western swing album. Yeah. Well, I mean, what an incredible talent. It's kind of music. Yeah, that record's you great. You Will Love Neon Blue by Joshua Headley. Yeah. Tremendous. And if, you, if you're lucky enough to get the... Uh, the fried bologna pressed <laughs> vinyl. Uh, I missed out. I missed out on that pre-order. Oh, because he uh, Robert's Western yeah, World he, bologna he's, press. Uh, he's one of the house band leaders at Roberts. He does the twin fiddle night. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're in if you're in Nashville on a Monday, that's where you better be. Uh, I like the idea. Or I like the idea of like Joshua's cover saying, "If you like." Mid '90s, early 2000s, Trace Atkins. You're gonna fucking love this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it is it is excellent. This guitar tone is straight up Dwight Yoakam. Like that is exactly what they they just like like surgically took that from the Dwight Yoakam <laughs> album and put it on this. <laughs> so after this album, his debut album, Trace would go on to release another three or four more albums to mm-hmm. you know find success. You know, country. Once you have a hit, you can just keep banging out albums and keep touring and have like a pretty good career. So I think he was on that trajectory. Like nothing was really hitting uh, the next like two or three albums. However, also in country form, uh, in 2003, after four albums, he released a Greatest Hits album, which is Love great. It. 
It's very country thing Love to do. It. It's like, all right, I've had like three hits. Yeah. I can make an album of 12 greatest hits somehow. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, different than, much different than rock or pop or hip hop. It's really hard to be a washed up country star. Like those like don't exist. No. Yeah. Cause I, I think just the vibe of the audience is not as, um, and this is not a shot cause I'm a country fan too. It's just not as discerning. Yeah. Right, it's like play the play the songs we love, play something that's going to make us dance, play something that's going to make us cry, and and we're good. Whereas, you know, I think for you know, like fans of indie music, mm-hmm. which I am too, you kind of hold the artist to a different standard, sure. and they kind of have to constantly be reinventing themselves. And uh, it can't sound too much like the last album, but it also can't stray too far. It's it's tough, that's and a I good think point. it's just met more critically. But it's also more it's also more pretentious, so it also can kind of uh, it kind of you know, voice that on itself in that way mm-hmm. where they're like, we are artists, we are creators. We're, you know, you know what I mean? We're creating this musical tapestry where Trace Atkins is giving you honky tonk, badonka dunk. And he's not worried about, he just wants well, you very to rarely. I mean, do you hear people be like, Oh, I miss like the old ex artist in country music. Whereas like an indie rock and rock, you're like, man, I miss the old. Yeah. Chili peppers, yeah. or I miss the old yeah, Animal Collective, yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, Chris Gaines. Well, the people missed Garth when Chris Gaines came out. That's <laughs> a good question. I mean, I, re- I would. I think we are blessed. We are blessed to have them both on this earth at the I same know. time. It's really what a time That's to be I alive. Had. I wish I was into country and a little bit older during that whole time period because I would love to know like what people were thinking. We should cover a Chris Gaines song at some point. That. SNL episode is one of the best episodes the of all bit time. Where like, Garth uh, summons the devil to write him a hit with Will oh Ferrell is still one of my favorite bits ever. I yeah, I feel that. like I feel like popular country music in the last twenty twenty five years, it's more about a good time. Yeah, it's less about uh, dissecting the music. It's more about are we having fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you go back to like, let's be honest, like we hold the older artists like Waylon and Willie and those guys to different standards, but there's nothing deep about on the road again. You know, there's nothing deep about like a lot of the a lot of the songs that that were written, right? You know, uh, family tradition, which is one of my favorites with Hank Jr. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and and Waylon. <laughs> like, this is two. It's literally two guys talking set to music. Yeah. And and there is not a lot of depth to it, but that's okay. Like there, I don't think that it should be, um, I don't know, ridiculed because it, it it lacks like the depth and like the the lyrics aren't very nuanced. That's not what country music is. Mm-hmm. Country music is for the people, and that's what it's always been, right? Like from its earliest days, it was a it was gospel, and it was sang as a community, and the message was very clear. And I think. Sometimes people scoff at country, and I think especially now where it has kind of turned a corner of just come on, like every song is the same and every artist is the same, and that's become its own genre. Yeah, I think. I think like, yeah, it, like Trace Atkins sounds like a '90s country artist. His voice is distinctive. Mm-hmm. You could tell who's who yeah. when the song comes on, and I think that's sort of what's lacking now. Mm-hmm. Is it's all? It just seems so processed now. Not just in in terms of like production, but it seems like a copy and paste formula to make a country hit. But we can clearly hear that there's quality there and that that it was, you know, he's definitely putting his own spin on it. Well, let's move let's move forward to uh to New Age, Trace Atkins. In two thousand He made a new age album? 
I got to hear that <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> in, uh, in 2005, he would release the album Songs About Me. And the first uh, single <laughs> was straying from the original album concept, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told 100%. I, it's, not, it's not about my horny wife anymore. It's about me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the first single was title track, Songs About Me. And it was followed up by a song called Arlington, which was apparently a bit controversial. The song is told from the perspective of a soldier who dies in war and is buried in the Arlington Cemetery. To me, it sounds like a very fitting tribute to those who gave mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice for our country. But I guess at the time, in 2005, it bothered some families who had sons and daughters over in Iraq, and it became a bit of a controversial song. Interesting. Trace would mm-hmm. write a letter to country radio stations at the time, uh, essentially saying that he saw the song through their point of view, and he decided to no longer promote it. And he finished the letter saying that he would move on with a new single. And move on he did because the next single off Songs About Me would be oh, Honky Tonk. Wait, Badonky he followed that so up wait, with. This is about Trace Atkins' ass? <laughs> <laughs> we are getting there. Songs About Me and My Badonkadonk. Well, like many country songs, Trace did not write this song. Mm. This song is written by Randy Hauser. Jimmy Johnson, oh. and Dallas Davidson. Randy Hauser's know, got a lot of hits. Yeah, if you don't know who they are, uh, all three were prolific Nashville songwriters mm-hmm. in the 2000s, 2010s. Jamie and Randy would go on to have their own artist careers. I think Jimmy Johnson is one of the best country artists of all time. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think he like opened the door to the Chris Stapletons of the world. Um, just some, some insane songwriting. Like when people talk about country music and they they think about like honking donk badonk donk and, and trucks and, and tractors and breakups and whatever, that's all there. But there are certain people who are fucking wordsmiths, and I think Jim Johnson sure. is absolutely an amazing talent. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's got a, a song called oh, "In Color." It's insane. That is just like you're talking about the lyricism and the imagery is like you 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 can listen to that song and you feel like you're watching a video for 100%. it because it's so descriptive and so perfectly. He's great. Love Jamie uh, That Johnson. song won multiple, multiple awards. Uh, best song, I think, both in the CMAs and the ACMs that year. Um, similarly, Dallas Davidson, uh, not an artist, but, r- I mean, just made fucking gobs of money <laughs> writing for other country songs. <laughs> he has the most recent figure I could find. He has over 27 number one hits and 500 top 40 songs to his oh, name. My oh, my God. I mean fucking mind-blowing even if he was only making money from touch tunes he would be a millionaire i mean <laughs> yeah. i cannot imagine you've got 500 top 40 country hits the jukebox money must be insane you may have heard some of these as he like pounds out a big file <laughs> i fucking cannot imagine i found an article where uh zach brown was trashing new age country music and uh, mm-hmm. essentially just threw Dallas into the bus. Dallas is kind of the... Wait, wait. What is he talking about? Of all people to be I trashing mean, I think that. there's a big difference between Zach Brown and Florida Georgia Line. There are, but he's got some yeah, dumbass songs. Sure. He's, he's not quite as... Uh... Is Jamie Johnson as he would like you yeah, to believe? Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that is fair. Because I was sort of like, oh, this guy seems different. And then I'm like, 
Zach Brown is the guy. I don't know if you experienced this, Jay. You might even too, to an extent, Ted. But like, when when people who are like more into mainstream country than I am, and that's fine. That's their own thing. And they know that I like some country music, and you know, traditional, very country music mm-hmm. or weird country music. They're like, oh, so you like Zach Brown band? And that's like, fair, that yeah. always happens. It's, with uh, it's and Zach Brown I, or Eric Church. Those yeah. are like the two yeah, that, that those fans too. are like, well, if you like the old stuff, you'll like this. And I'm like, hit play. Like, yeah, no, it's like an, oh, an immediate. Right. I, see, no I do for love me. me some Mary church. Yeah. I do love me some Mary church. As an aside, so we'll go, let's go back to Jamie, Randy and, uh, yes. and Dallas here. So Jamie Johnson three, co-wrote honky tonk, but donk tonk. I'm still wrapping well, my so head the, around this. The three of them at the time were fairly new to Nashville. And they, as the story goes, we're drinking at the Wild Horse Saloon, which is downtown on Second Avenue, just off Broadway. It is a total tourist trap. Yeah. Uh, but I've had some great times there. I don't know that we ever went. You and I, Mike. When you I were don't down think I was ever there with you, but I've been there before. I've had some good stories. None that are appropriate <laughs> for the podcast because I have friends that listen to this podcast. Uh, as Jamie Johnson tells it, quote unquote. Uh, we were hanging out at the Wild Horse Saloon in Nashville, and my buddy Rob was bartending. We were poor songwriters, so we'd go in there and get free beer. Me, Dallas, and Randy. We were hanging out there, just cutting up and cracking jokes, watching this girl on the dance floor who had this huge <laughs> butt. It looked like somebody stuffed a beach ball in her pants. So we got to laughing at this girl. She was drunk as hell, just completely wasted, and having the time of her life. She didn't care who was looking. She didn't care who she bumped into. So we started popping one-liners, and we threw out this word, badonkadonk. And a minute later, we said, honky-tonk, badonkadonk. Oh, that's amazing. Hell yeah. God. We have to write this. So we wrote that song in just about an hour, but spent half the time just laughing. It turned out to be the best damn joke any of us ever told. Wow. That is a story of so it's, honky-tonk, badonkadonk. It's almost Holy written shit. in parody. Which is so funny. Like, let's just, yeah. Like, they're drunk, you know. <laughs> they're they're just laughing and having a good time, and yeah. they almost write it as as a as a as a laugh. And all of a sudden, here's a here's a lot of money it's, for you. It's like a boom. It's like Beavis and Butthead wrote this song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't find wow. many reviews from the time, which is unfortunate because I feel like. There'd just be a lot of great commentary out there. Uh, but our friends at SavingCountryMusic.com. Oh, I'm very familiar. They made a list of <laughs> country music's worst songs of all time. Honky Tonk comes in number four, and their blurb says, The title says it all. No, really, it does. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Which I think is great. Uh, and the song makes another appearance in a different blurb uh, under the song Corn Star. By Craig Morgan, I've, where I've they heard wrote this song, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's awful song. So they say, yes, my friends, this song actually exists <laughs> and was even released as a single. How do you out corn pond your own corny competition? Make a pun about corn and insert it into a sexually charged urbanism, a.k.a. Wow. the honky tonk, badonkadonk songwriting formula. It's it's cool that that's how yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, uh, but it's cool that that's how it happened, because I think they probably had no intentions of it ever seeing the light of day. And they're like, you know what? Uh, we should just see what can, let's see what happens. And it and it's uh, 
it doesn't sound like it was hey we gotta we gotta make some like club song that's country but also hip-hop and we're gonna use some weird slang it's like we're drunk and just saying dumb shit yeah which is funny so there's also a time magazine article entitled top 10 ridiculous country songs Mm, i'm glad that time was covering this yeah the the byline says time takes a look at country music's most absurd tunes many of which oddly involve alcohol what? so of course honky tonk badonkadonk finds itself here in the list mm-hmm. uh and I, I will read their their blurb in full question what is a badonkadonk answer it's what you call a woman's behind when you want to abandon any shred of country music dignity <laughs> you may have so you can write a radio-friendly pop hit Honky Tonk Badonkadonk, a too popular for its own good ditty by Trace Atkins, is country music's version of Baby Got Back. It's a heartwarming, yeah, romantic ode to the butt. The origins of the song reportedly come from the sighting of a shapely buttocks at a club, which inspired the songwriters who hammered out the tune within an hour, which really explains a lot. The music <laughs> video features women in short shirts hitting Atkins in the face with their rear ends, which in a way is poetic justice. Wow. I have not seen the video. Well, I don't, uh, good timing because we are pulling I it up. I feel like, Ted, maybe you showed me this video no, at some point it, in time. It, it, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I would have. Uh, I don't know. It it's probably is, four in the morning. <laughs> it is just, well, it's nothing special. So I don't think I would have, mm. like, done this. But it was, let's watch it together. <laughs> Perfect timing. Oh, all right. I'm glad we're having this moment together. Yeah. The three of us. Oh, it's got, like, credits and everything. He does have such a deep speaking voice. <sighs> it's very 2000. It really time. is. Oh, no. We're all touching no. our faces. No. I mean, how do we explain this? It's, uh, it's a lot of women uh, dancing provocatively. Uh-huh. It looks like, a, I mean, the idea is it looks like a rap video. That's what they're trying to yes. do. 100%. It's very it's much like a rap video straight uh, on TV. And it, it's very disingenuous. Yeah. Uh, the production in this song sucks. The the breakbeat is awful. Well, so I will say, and I probably should have dug in this a little more, the video features a remix of the song, and I think I was the remix of the song true. is actually the hit. Yeah. So I, I don't know how different the real the breakbeat is. shitty. Yeah, because the one you played earlier didn't have yeah. I mean, this song is so dumb. He almost looks like he's unhappy he's doing it it really looks that way i like for, I, I totally see that for a guy who at least in my impression is trying to sell like a like a the badass image uh, like the, mm-hmm. the the brooding loner uh the guy in the duster and the black hat it's just not a fit for him mm-hmm. it doesn't seem and it, and that's a good point. you know it's kind of uh well this will probably make me some money I think that's um, what it was. But he's got like a Stone Cold Steve Austin vibe. He does. He does. And that's like, that's not, it doesn't fit the music or the video. That's a great point. That's more of a Shawn Michaels kind of a thing. I actually feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like, uh, I, I think maybe Stone they look Cold similar. crossed my mind they got, when I saw like the, when the I saw stone face and the, they look like they want to yeah, fight all the time. Well, that will bring us to what I really brought you guys here to talk about today because uh, Stone Cold? well, no, but I, <laughs> I gave you a little background on yeah. trace, but I feel like I, I, well, I purposely 
left out a, a lot of good parts of his history. And I now want to go through a laundry list of injuries and things that have happened to Trace Atkins in his life. Because, right. one, to your point, I think he is tough as fucking nails after you hear all this. Uh, one could say that he is by far the most unlucky person in the world. Or he's the luckiest because he's somehow still fucking alive. So let's go through this. Let's go back to Louisiana. Beginning in 1972, a 17-year-old Trace was driving his 1955 Chevy truck to high school when, because of frost on the windshield, he plowed into the back of a school bus. He punctured both lungs, broke several ribs, and cut his nose off, causing doctors to have to sew it back on. Now, he would go on to play football, as I mentioned, and he would go to Louisiana. Uh, he had a, a knee injury, which was sidelined his career, which is probably the, the, the least of all these. In 1982, he was involved in a bulldozer accident, which apparently... <laughs> Excuse me, a, a bulldozer <laughs> accident. And, and here we go. I quote, Apparently, cut up, cut up his ass so much that in his his that in his words, I thought I was fixing to lose both my legs. A year later, a tank containing four hundred barrels of oil what? exploded, Wait. crushing his left leg. In nineteen eighty eight, he flipped his pickup truck. Wait, we're only at nineteen eighty eight, man. In 1988, he flipped his pickup truck on icy roads, landing him in a neck brace. A year later, in 1989, he cut off his finger while using a knife to open a bucket. He asked the doctors to cut off his. He finger. asked the doctors to put it back on at an angle to help him play guitar better. Which I don't know how that works, but I love like it. A, like a chicken picking thing, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, later that year. He would be stranded out in sea on an oil rig during Hurricane Chantel. What the hell's going on? <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. Are these verified? Hold up. Oh, multiple sources. Uh, between 1989 and 1994, he would move to Nashville to start seriously working on his music career. This is where he would meet his second wife, Julie Curtis who would go on to shoot him at point-blank range with a thirty-eight revolver. Oh, my God. So, apparently our man she, had a bit so of a drinking she problem. she Tammy him. And uh, his wife got a little too fed up one night. And this they were is arguing. literally George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Yeah. <laughs> she threatened to call his mom. Oh, and he better not. And he tore the phone off the wall. Then she grabbed the gun, which had just been lying on the refrigerator, and aimed it at him. And now, hear from Trace's own words. Being a macho guy like I am, I tried to scare it out of her. I said, give me the gun, or I'm going to take it away from you and beat your damn brains out with it. I would never have done that, but I told her in hopes that it would scare her. The bullet went through oh both my, my lungs and both ventricles of my heart. How are none of the songs on Songs About Me about any of this shit? <laughs> oh yeah, God. true. I want to hear that song. <laughs> right? So the doctors thought he had no chance of living. 
but he somehow pulled through, did not press charges, and they got divorced. And I think he went to rehab shortly after that. So Probably best. That. In 2002. Oh, there's more. But you're yeah, saying he's more. sober <laughs> in the club talking about these badonkadonks. That's a little... That's a little... Mm, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, so in 2002, while building a gravel road on his farm in Tennessee, the tractor he was operating toppled on top of him after a portion of the new road collapsed. According to the doctor that day, Trace sustained a crushed injury to his chest and rib sternum separation. He also has bruises on his shoulder and pelvis. Fast forward to 2011, his house would burn to the ground. And in 2014, he got in a fight on a cruise ship with a Trace Atkins impersonator. (laughs) 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 So, Trace had been sober for many years, but apparently fell off the wagon or got on the wagon or whatever. Uh, I'm going to send you a picture of him and his impersonator. Uh, Apparently, they got into some altercation. Uh, when he was very wow, this drunk. guy does not look like him at all. Not really, yeah, no. I would punch him too. <laughs> oh my! So God. that that is the sounds like that him. is a laundry list of injuries that are reported about Trace Atkins. There might be more. Who, who knows? Well, I mean, considering how bad these are, he probably breaks breaks limbs, and he's like, ah, you know, it's whatever. I mean, this motherfucker has cheated death so many times. I mean, that's that I. Insanity. It's it's very impressive. It's really badass. I gotta say, like that's <laughs> he, he is unkillable. He's unkillable. Yeah, he is. It's at this point. I, I think he might be. Wait, why did his management not push him to be an action star at some point? Well, he was in a couple things. We'll get to that. He's gonna die but, in the lamest way possible. Like, 100%. <laughs> he's, 100%. He's gonna die syphilis. He's gonna die syphilis. He's definitely gonna die syphilis. This motherfucker sure. has been in multiple car accidents, multiple like badass work accidents. Shot at point blank range, and somehow it's still fucking just kicking. How is this not more well known? I know, like that's you know, yeah, he's he's a pretty. I don't know if I would say household name, but he's definitely in like the B minus tier of country stars of that era. Yeah, I'd say so. When I was considering what song to choose last night, two nights ago, whatever, I was googling a couple different songs. I googled this one. And within like very short order, a bunch of links came up where like Trace Atkins' wife shoots me at point blank range. And I was like, oh, well, we are talking about this <laughs> song. Found the song. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> he, his life is a country song. Really? I, but again, how do you have an album 100%. called Songs About Me and not have any of that stuff in there? Because his songs about me were written by other people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I guess. To be fair, you uh, might. <laughs> I made sure that all the songwriters wrote songs about themselves. <laughs> So technically, it's correct. Hey, you wanted to hit listeners. Just wanted to give you a little heads up if you didn't know that our good friends at Dark Matter Coffee in Chicago are making amazing beans, doing really cool things, doing music collabs, all kinds of stuff. And we love their coffee. And it's what fuels us while we're researching these episodes and editing these episodes. And you can get free shipping on their coffee at darkmattercoffee.com if you enter the code wanted a hit cast that's right wanted a hit cast you can get as much coffee as you want as much gear as you want they have cool merch too put in the code 
gets your house for free. That's amazing, right? I didn't know where to put this. So I feel like this is the only spot that it really fits in. Uh, but I read an interview where Trace talked about the worst gig that he ever played, which was a wedding reception. And according to Trace, we played the song for the bride and the groom to dance to. And the next song was going to be the grandparents, the parents, and all of that. So we started the second song, and about halfway through, Grandma fell dead on the floor. <laughs> we were still playing, and finally the father turned around and yelled, Stop! For God's sake, stop playing! Oh my, God. my mother's dead. <laughs> Stay Holy away shit. from him! Oh, <laughs> he is like he's a bad omen. I feel like there have been so many moments uh, tonight where uh, one of us is touching our face and the other one is just grimacing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it like like you said, Jay. He just embodies country music <laughs> in all the all the weird ways, all the right and wrong ways. It, it's almost it, it's it's almost parody at this point because it, it, it's. How, how does he get out of bed in the morning without just being like looking around? <laughs> Is there a bear trap at the foot <laughs> of my bed? Is there an anvil hanging over my? I, I don't know how you go through life with those many. And seriously, like we're laughing about it, but really think about that. All the traumatic things that Horrific he's experienced. Things. How do you continue I mean, to just like, well, another day was put on the dust well, and put on the hat again? I will say. He's rich. Yeah. That helps. I mean, it, you it know? doesn't hurt. <laughs> you wake up and you're like, fuck, everything hurts because I've been hit by so many fucking cars and I've had three divorces. I've been, I've been shot. to rehab a couple times, but I'm a millionaire. Oh, yes. And also, That's I've cool. been shot through both lungs <laughs> and crushed by a bulldozer. And I mean, there's anything we've learned from celebrities, though. Uh, the money doesn't cure the sadness. <laughs> no. Fair. Quite the opposite, no. typically. <laughs> Oh my lord! Bro crushed both lungs and was shot through both lungs. How the fuck is he still breathing? <laughs> well, maybe that's why his voice can't sounds like well. this all the time. <laughs> that might be true. I can't. Maybe that's part of it. If I express myself in any way, shape, or form, I'm in agony. I just have I mean, to talk like this forever. And if I get excited, it's going to hurt. He's sixty. He's sixty years old now. He's got to be hurting when he wakes up in the morning. He's, He's only sixty. All that's happened in 60 short years. <laughs> that's yeah. like three lifetimes of dramatic trauma. And a lot of it happened like before he was 30. Oh my yeah. God. Poor guy. Fucking crazy. I love it that I'm picturing that they're like, we wrote this song, Honky Donk, Badonga Donk. Who should we give it to? The guy with no lungs. Let's give it to that guy. Well, I, I really love envisioning him at 60 years old now performing this song live. <laughs> Because like, he has to, right? I, I mean, mean, he can't not play it. Yeah, it's one of your biggest hits. Yeah. But like, honky got tonk. Me a little weird. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's rough. It's a, maybe the maybe he just you know when he's making the video, like looking around at the butts bouncing off his cheeks, he said it was all worth it for the filming of this video. It's I can't get over this. How, like, there's got to be a movie. Someone's got to make You're a movie. Really you've heard of Trace Atkins, but you've not. You don't know the real story. You need to know the real story behind Trace Atkins and just starring it's Danny be, Tatum. 
<laughs> I, I was gonna say like starting Johnny Knoxville with like you see Jackass yeah, yeah, Four, yeah. where they actually <laughs> do all the stuff. They could do a whole episode, <laughs> the Trace Atkins episode, and just reenact yeah. everything. That's, all right, let's shoot Johnny Knoxville at point blank range now and see what happens. It would be the only time there's been a TV show where Minutemen and Trace Atkins were both played. There mm-hmm. you go. Yep, I'm here for it. <laughs> well, now I'm going to open this Sierra Nevada because oh, Jesus. there it is. That's, there that's it is. Uh, that was a lot. Good ASMR there. Well, let's get back <laughs> to a song here. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the chart positions. This was Trace's first crossover hit. It went number two on the Hot Country chart, mm-hmm. and at the time, the number one song was Carrie Underwood's "Jesus Take the Wheel." Well, of course, it was. Yeah, which Jesus is, take mean, the wheel and crush Trace Atkins' lungs. <laughs> big, big song. Jesus run over Trace. <laughs> I, I, I do like I was like Jesus take the wheel is like such a wholesome, beautiful Christian esque song. Mm-hmm. And then number two is like yo, look at that chick <laughs> with a big ass on the dance floor. Yeah, that is the full That's spectrum of country, country music. Me- yes, yep. exactly. Hundred percent. That's it. Hundred percent. Billboard Hot 100. It peaked. It's at its position on January 14th, 2006. Mm. Do you guys have any guesses on how high the song landed? Man, country crossover is so hard because, like, some markets, like, just aren't going to play these songs. I'm going to guess it had a, I'm going to guess top 10, but for a very brief time, like, just a week. It was like a boom, boom, like a roller coaster straight up and straight down like people got it oh my god you got to hear this song okay i never need to hear that again a roller coaster and trace atkins fell out of it and broke both his legs (laughs) (laughs) his head was cut off during the loop and he had the doctor put it on sideways so he could look at his bandmates better god uh jay thinks top 10 i'm going like 35 oh wow okay well you guys are the pros i don't know i'm just guessing Eh, we're not pros at anything (laughs) we are not it peaked at number 30. Oh, oh I was close. Look at you. I was close. On the nose. Well, fellow country star Kara Underwood was right behind him at 31. However, I assume that she would skyrocket ahead and he would fall down. Of course. She's somebody that's like, she's also a, a pop star. Like, she, she's able to do it. And this was like right around American Idol time, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, right in front of him in the, in the, the, the 25 to 30 range here. We've got You're Beautiful by James Blake. Oh. You and Whoa. Me by Lifehouse. Be Without You by Mary J. Blige. Great song. Feel Good Incorporated by Gorillas. Great. And song. Don't You by the right. Pussycat Dolls. Those are the five in front of him. Wow. And then That's gonna be tough. let's talk let's talk about the top ten during this time. Again, this is uh January fourteenth, two thousand six. Number one was Laffy Taffy, which we will have to cover at some point. And then Much better. Run It by Chris Brown. Uh, Photograph by Nickelback. Whoa. Gold Digger by Kanye West. Grills by Nelly. My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. Don't oh. forget about us, Mariah Carey. Stick With You, The Pussycat Dolls. Dance Dance, Fall Out Boy. Whoa. And Check On It by Beyonce. Wow. Followed up by number 11. Dirty Little Secret by All American Rejects. I mean, we're I, in a sugar, weird time. Sugar, we're going down at number 13. I mean, uh, so Beverly Hills by Weezer at number 15. This is this is the time of, uh, man, Beverly Hills is on the chart forever. That came out like two years before that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, this is the, this is the, 
this is the end of the TRL era. Like pop punk is still on pop radio. All over the place. There's yeah, hip hop and like rock time of and country and, music. and like it is. Yeah, like it's not yet that pop is just pop. Like it's it's just still all over the place. Um, also, some of the song titles sound like honky tonk, but donk donk fits right in. <laughs> it's a song of the times. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if Laffy Taffy was number one, Laffy Taffy was number two, I would have been like, grills. Like, it's just like very slang heavy music. Just like, what's what's the mm-hmm. cool, what are the cool words of the time, y'all? And I, I assume that's how a lot of this went by. I think Capital mm-hmm. probably got the song and we're like, yo, we could throw a beat behind this. This could be a pop thing. And Is when, there not a lot of info on how this song ended up in Trace's lungs? No, I could find nothing on like, and you never will. Um, yeah, and, and speaking from like, they keep that closer to the chest than than pop music does. Yeah, I think too. Like maybe he he knew he needed some sort of resurgence because it had been a while since mm-hmm. he had anything of any real impact. And you know, I, I don't want to say he. It's not selling out, but it's. All right, I need something, and if it's got to be something stupid to get me back, okay. I, I, I got to pay for my lungs. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking from uh, from from a, a little bit of experience breaking country music, like we would put the clarion call out and be like, "Hey, we're we're recording another Tim's album. What do you got?" and Publishers would come to us with their five top songs. Mm-hmm. You would meet with 10, 15 publishers. The label would meet with a couple publishers. You would sit there, listen to songs. You would ship like 30 of them off to the artist and be like, any of these resonate with you? Like, here's what we think. Like, there really is no secret sauce to it. It's really just like whatever the manager label decides they want to send to the artist and like whatever resonates. Mm. I think now, uh, a lot of country artists are getting more involved in the songwriting process. They have friends in the songwriting process. They're, they are way more it's, involved. It's, it's circling back. It's all circling yeah. back because it, it got old. But in in the 2000s, it was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. Send me good songs. If you think it's good, like, I'll fucking sing it. Meanwhile, we've had so many episodes where the story is like, well, they were like in this weird place and this songwriter was there too. And, you know, if they didn't write the song, like there was this serendipitous moment or they knew this person who knew this person. It's like, I do feel like probably in multiple genres, not just country in the 2000s, everyone's just grasping for as much cash as they can because it's a scary time in the music industry. And we got to have a hit. We got to have a big hit. It's got to be 100%. We can't take any risks. And it's, so it's happening pop for sure. Yeah. 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 I'm still really curious how they got from from the bar writing the song to it working its way to the industry. Like this song in particular. It's, well, just, it, like, it's just a publisher. I, I yeah. assume at least yeah. one, if not all three of those guys had a publisher. And for those who don't know, yeah. like, uh, you know, when you're a songwriter, you sign with a publisher, which is essentially is an entity that says, like, hey, we believe in your songwriting. Uh, give us a cut of the money you eventually make and, and we'll give you 40 grand up front or whatever it might be. And, and you, yeah. you can live your life and, and we will pair you with other songwriters to write songs. And it's a big thing in pop music. It's a big thing in country music. Um, and when these publishers like you, you are you're writing songs every day. You're getting together with your boys, you're drinking some beers, 
eating some chicken wings and you write a song. And they write a song <laughs> every fucking day. The reason why yeah. Dallas Davidson has 500 top 40 hits is because he writes 300 songs a year. And yeah, right. you do it for, if you're big enough, you do it for 10 years, like you're going to get 500 hits. And it, it's, uh, I want to hear his shittiest songs. I want a compilation of his shittiest songs. Well, fucking listen to any Luke Bryan number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey. All this, all of his shittiest songs are number ones. <laughs> I'm, I've always been interested. How come? Because so many songwriters in country, like you mentioned, Jamie Johnson, and, and another one of my favorites is, is Caitlin Smith. Yeah. yeah, they've got great voices. They've got a look. Like, why don't the songwriters become? The stars more often. I know, like Chris Stapleton's the exception, and you oh. know, there's a lot of like Willie Nelson has written a million hits for people that people don't even know. It took him a long time. But in general, it seems I will like tell you why. the songwriters don't really get the credit. I will, I will yeah, tell why. you why. Because the songwriters who want to be famous and are like, "Fuck it, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it." They write a couple songs, they get enough money, and they're like, "This, it's my career now," and they pay for their career, and then they just like languid on the road for years and and like it's it's such a like gross existence i don't know where it's like the smart songwriters are like yo i am making fucking millions in my mailbox every week why would i leave like i have a great life here yeah, in nashville well, I sit here in my studio and yeah. yeah i mean yeah like i worked i worked with phil bassett for years i think phil is one of the uh, an insane good songwriter but he always wanted to be an artist and he pushed himself so hard to be an artist and he was on the road constantly and he was away from his family away from his two girls and it's hard but he loved it he loved the energy of the, the of, of the the crowd and like being that and you know he has ha, he's had a good career he's been able to like make money off of it but i guarantee you if he just fucking chilled in his dope-ass brentwood mansion and just continued writing songs <laughs> He would be a Dallas Davidson type, making uh, just insane money. If you if, if that's your talent, fucking do it. If you're going to be a career songwriter, I mean, there's certainly people like Chris Stapleton who can do both. But I feel like if you're going to be a career songwriter, you maybe don't have a lot of time to do the bullshit of what a touring artist requires and a recording artist requires because you got to be spending time writing songs. You have to Dude. write however many songs to get yeah, yeah. i mean at least a song a day right and yeah. you don't have to, you're distracted you're on the road you're exhausted all and that there stuff, are yeah. only a handful of people who can write good music on the road there are a lot of i'd say yeah. more people than not who cannot write music when they're on the road it's very difficult for them to write music on the road some of the answer to this is that a lot of really good songwriters are dorks that's true and uh, and that goes for all genres and maybe in their genre it works when they're dorks in a very visually stimulating genre like country music, I think a lot of these songwriters just aren't the front people that they need to be. Well, I, and that's that's totally okay. But some of them are, and it works out. And somebody in management is like, you know what? Why don't you just cut your own record? Let's just do that. Right. I don't know for sure, but if I had to play a a, a, a drunken devil's advocate right now. At the time when Chris Stapleton was writing some fucking fantastic songs, he was a bigger, overweight, bearded guy. And at the time, mm -hmm. like, he would not have been like a frontman. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody in country music at that time in the 2000s would have been like, yeah, I want to see, like, that. that's the epitome of like country masculinity. 
But as it became more and more popular and he had more money to do his own thing and country music started opening stuff up and being more adaptive, he was, I think he got to a point where he was like, well, fuck it. Like, I, I, it doesn't matter what you look like anymore. Whereas, like, in the early, late 90s, yeah. early 2000s, yeah. it was, that was still very much a thing. And that's, that's a, I mean, well, part I of the reason why you also, like, when you, yeah. you reach a certain amount of money, you can afford to look. Yeah. You yeah. know, like he can, he can start, he can start to dress a way that slims him down. He gets his hair professionally styled. He gets the perfect hat to frame his face. Like, the, you know, you, yeah. anytime you see, you know, actors before they're famous or whatever, as the money grows, so does the appearance, so do the clothes, so does everything that goes with it. So Chris, you know, Pratt. Chris Stapleton probably has <laughs> several stylists. Yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt's a great example. Well, there, there's that meme yes. going around where it's like the Tom Brady when he got signed and now and it's like. Tom Brady's proof that you're not uh, you're not ugly before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, Chris, yeah. Chris Stapleton walked so that Luke Combs could run, right? It, well, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Like Luke Combs could not be a picture of country music royalty ten years ago, fifteen years. No ago. way. Yeah. But now, I mean, even is. Dwight Yoakam, who is one of the fucking punkest dudes to ever make pop country music, it was about a lot of it was about his white tight jeans and his ass like right. that's true like that's that's a real thing but i, I think there was a time that that was okay it was a great in ass, that late but... 90 2000 period though <laughs> you had to be hot fucking tight jeans yeah luke bryan dirk bentley like right yeah. that's what they wanted you know people wanted mm. so you had to be that so i did uh when when we were switching videos uh i did find that the version of the of honky tonk badonka tonk that's in the music video is the country club version uh-huh. uh and i googled it and i could not find anything about it being different than what was on the radio there being more than one version like there's no literature at all about it which i think hmm. interesting goes back to what you were saying about the kind of smoke and mirrors of country music where we're just not going to tell you how the sausage is made. Right. Hey, that's not good. No. <laughs> like so many other episodes, it's so easy to find that. It's like, oh, this is the third version of this song, and here's why. And they decided this and that. Country is just like, mm, it's a hit, and we're not going to tell you why. Enjoy. Well, yeah, I, I think it's because it. you have like, you have writers who it's just. It's like processed food. Yeah. They don't want you to know what's in it. You have writers to pound shit out, you have producers to pound shit out. You have labels that pound shit out. Artists that don't give a fuck. Whereas, like, in almost every genre, the producer is it's super influential. And they're bringing a lot of their elements, their sound. And not that they aren't in country. It's just that, like, I'm bringing my formula to this. If you like my formula, then you're going to like me. You're going to, like, want to do it to your stuff. Whereas, like, I think in, like, rap and rock, it's like, I'm going to bring a lot into this. And I'm going to bring my formula. But also, I'm going to bring, I'm going to, like, transform the music i'm gonna bring stuff out of you i'm gonna ring it out of you where in the country it's like well someone else has written this i can only do so much as a producer i'm just gonna like bring my formula to this and you, the songwriters have brought their formula as well so now we're just like it's, it's almost like a science experiment uh and, and there are recipes if you will and the label is even saying like here's the recipe for a hit currently make it like this a little bit i think that's kind of mm-hmm. what's happening in country at this time where it's formulaic and it works. Yeah, it worked. This song is dated as hell. <laughs> well, all right. So let's talk about the song. 
covers, unsurprisingly, there's no, there no kids bop version of the song. <laughs> uh, I, I did find a, uh, a your YouTube videos of, of of the guy who probably sings down the street from you on Thursday nights at the shitty bar uh, covering the song trying to get some sort of uh, internet fame but i, I would have loved to have right. found like a, like a fucking metal cover of this song because i feel like every country song has like a good metal cover couldn't find it yeah uh you need, like ghost to do this oh, i would love it i would love it <laughs> uh no weird owl version because ah uh, it's already done I, exactly like, really weird, really <laughs> oh, oh. weird i was like i would, Eh, a weird out version. The, like the, the song would turn like nice. It, would, it, would be it, it like sounds a, like a. Yeah, it already sounds like a version. parody of shitty country music. So yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we normally end this off with a, a "Where are they now? Uh, where's yeah, Trace right. now? What's Trace the legacy still? of the song." Well, I'm, I'm being told he is underneath a train right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, might be. Uh, he would go on to release several more albums. Uh, and have quite a few number one hits, including Ladies Love Country Boys. Yeah, and I've heard that one. You're going to miss this, but That's you're going to miss this wrong. is uh, a fantastic song. It, that was a huge That's song. one of those songs. I mean, I don't know who wrote that. Jamie Johnson could have written that song because it is that kind of song. Um, Trace would go on to perform that at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on the Jimmy Dean Sausage Float, which... yes. Amazing. I'm on. So I mean, tell me all about it. That is just country. Would go on to have a big hit with Blake Shelton called Hillbilly Bone. Trace would appear on several shows, including Hollywood Squares, Extreme what? Extreme Home Makeover, The, <laughs> the Young Squares? and the Restless, a recurring voiceover role in King of the Hill, and he would appear on Celebrity Apprentice multiple times Oh, I did know that. Yeah, he's, over, a, he's a friend, isn't he? He is. I think well, he's a Trump, a Trump friend. He is. Uh, however, on The Apprentice, he would collectively raise over $2 million for the American Red Cross. Like, I give him wow. credit there. Uh, but yeah. Was he, so, like, when he was on Hollywood Squares, is he on there with, like, Bruce Valanche and, like, Little Richard? <laughs> yeah, and shit? The fucking square, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh he wrote an autobiography entitled A Personal Stand, Observations and Opinions from a Free-Thinking Roughneck. Oh, boy. Oh, I bet that's full, yeah. of, full of bedtime stories. We always try to answer on the show, like, why did this song become popular? And, uh, like, this one, it's country music. It's, it's, uh, it's a genre that gave us songs like Flush from a bathroom of your heart, and, and you're the reason your kids are ugly. It, this That's a great flies. song. I love that song. <laughs> they're, all, they're all great songs. But there like, are a lot of novelty songs. This shit sure. just flies in country music, like you yeah. said, Jay. Saying like this was one of the first songs that was appropriating hip hop themes into country music and, and got popular doing it. Like, what was the journey from songwriting to this is becoming a hit? We're putting money behind it. I mean, I moved to Nashville and. 2009 so i guess i was a, a bit behind this but uh i could easily see at the wild horse saloon in 2004 or whatever i could easily see them playing a country song and then immediately playing a hip-hop song yeah country song, hip-hop song yeah and so then I bon jovi all yeah of course uh already there was in the country club a lot of influence 
being mixed in from the hip hop realm and mm-hmm. pop in general. I have no idea what Nashville was like late nineties, but I cannot imagine Nashville playing country and then some like hit alt rock song or indie rock song. Like they just wouldn't they wouldn't do it. But hip hop mm-hmm. it like it kinda worked, it, it flows. And so I think it maybe was just like kind of already in the water, if you will. And I think like songwriting what I always find fascinating about the songwriting culture in Nashville is that like it, it is a, a tight group. And so once a theme goes around, like someone writes a great song about their friend dying in the war. And then the next week you get like 17 of those cuts to you because mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, everyone, everyone met that one guy who had the great idea and they all have ideas like that now all of a sudden. And so I, I could easily see like songwriting in Nashville just being like, Hey, like, Let's bring some hip hop elements. Let's let's like talk a little faster. Let's like, throw some lines in there. Let's be a little more adventurous. Like I think that was already in the walk. Concept of cover songs comes from country music because the term cover would somebody would come out with a hit song and then somebody with more money would re record that song because <laughs> you don't have to ask for permission. Yeah. Uh and they would try to cover that song up with a version that has more money behind it. Like that was literally uh, well, I what know. it was. Interesting. I knew that was yeah. happening. I did yeah. not know that's, that's the what name it was. And it started wow. in country music. I mean, that was in the fifties. Oh, not that country is the only genre that does this, but country is a genre that does it. Well. Uh, back in the day, though, I think they were like they really they they, they capitalized on it. I think it also came from. Uh, racist undertones i mean it came from the blues and it came from of course uh, yeah you know like early swing music where you know a black guy would would perform a song and, and some white guy have a little more money a little more connection to be like yeah cool steal that song so country is definitely birthed out of that which you you find a lot of right. it happened a ton in the 50s and 60s Wait, songs with racist what? undertones? What are we talking about here? Not guys? this one. Come this on. one is not racist at all. It is just <laughs> such a law. So, yeah, we got that going for us. Yeah. Good job. Oh, Way to go, Trace. Man. Jay, uh, wow. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm so amazed that after two tries, this is it's the song great. we were talking I would not about. change it for any other song on the planet. <laughs> I feel like you'd appreciate it. I, had it. I don't know you well, but I feel like you were, you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm a light Trace Atkins. Why not? Sure. Bring it on. I'm, I'm up for anything. But, Jay, this is so fun. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out uh, uh, for a while with us. Uh, I've been excited to have you on the show. And uh, do you have anything going on that you want to let yeah, just uh, I know it's uh, it's the middle of summer and there's not a lot going on in the world of hockey. But if you are interested in uh, the Chicago Blackhawks and the comedy of errors they have themselves in currently, you can check out the CHGO Blackhawks <laughs> podcast. And every Monday, my buddy Rick Camp and I do we publish the I'm Fat podcast where we share our food adventures for the week and our fat struggles and all the uh, all the things that go along with being a portly gentleman. Well, thanks again, Jay. Yeah, thank being you, here. Jay, Jay uh, spending uh, two nights with us. Thanks. What a song. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, yes, we right. appreciate it. Thank you, guys. That's the, that's the last time it happened. This is fun, well, guys. I hope you all dream of Badonkadonks tonight. That's a wrap on this episode of You Wanted a Hit. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Good luck getting that song out of your head. Please remember to subscribe so you know when the next episode is out. 
And if you listen on Apple, write a review, but only if it's nice. Follow us on Twitter at YWAHpod and let us know what you think. Or tell us what we missed by sending us an email at YWAHpod at gmail.com. And lastly, share with a friend if you had a good time. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Bible, And our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.